0: Hello, and welcome to the Aluminium On Air podcast, brought to you in association with Aluminium International Today, the leading B2B magazine for the global aluminium manufacturing and processing industries. I'm Nadine Bloxham, editor of Aluminium International Today magazine and content director for the Future Aluminium Forum. Across this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to industry experts and well-known faces about the latest technical developments, new projects, investments, and general goings-on. As the latest data shows that the UK lockdown has driven a spike in aluminium packaging recycling rates, I speak to Rick Hindley, Executive Director of the Aluminium Packaging Recycling Organisation, Alupro, to find out what is behind this increase and his thoughts on what a fixed fee deposit return scheme would mean and should look like in the UK. Hello, this week uh, we'd like to welcome Rick Hindley, who is the Executive Director for the Aluminium Packaging Recycling Organisation, better known as Alupro. Uh, hi Rick, thanks very much for joining us today.
1: Good morning Nadine, glad to be with you.
0: It's fantastic to have you. I know um, we've kind of bumped into each other and you've been at other recycling or certain events over the years. I know the European Aluminium always runs their uh, their recycling Conferences which we've been partial to, but as we were just saying offline, we've, we've not done anything like that for a little bit, so it's good to have a catch up today.
1: Absolutely, yeah, no, um, yeah, we've been missing all of those events, um, and uh, yeah, very unlikely, I think, that we'll um get an opportunity uh, over the coming months to to catch up like that, so no,
0: yeah, it's, a it. it's been, been, a, been a change, <laughs> been a shift in everything, but um. But today it's going to be really <laughs> good to look at something a bit different and we're obviously going to be focusing more on uh, the recycling side of things and, and the UK in particular, looking at uh, different curbside collections. And I know this has been a huge thing we've focused on a lot in the past. We we do special uh, sustainability supplements and things like that. So Pro have always contributed, which is really good. Um, but I'm starting you off with a bit of a tough question, I'm afraid, and I know it's a bit more upstream than you're probably used to. Um, but our previous guest was Amelie Henyon, who is MD at Alvance Aluminium Smelter in Dunkirk. Um, so she asked Are inert anodes really the holy grail for carbon neutrality? I can say this word, neutrality, or is there something else that we are overlooking? So I'll aim that one at you <laughs> to begin with.
1: Well, wow, Nadine, that's quite a question, I have to say, and it is beyond my comfort zone, but I have to say, you did give me the heads up on this, uh, which I'm very grateful for. So I have done a little bit of research, which is um, <laughs> always useful. And um, yeah, it was actually really quite interesting as well. So definitely a, a good question. Um, so what did I discover? Well, as we all know, the, uh, the electrolysis process is indeed energy intensive. But by its nature, it creates CO2 as, an, as any industrial product does. Now, what I understand is that while utilising inert anodes would help to reduce CO2 production, it wouldn't necessarily prove the silver bullet that some think it may. <clears throat> when replacing carbon anodes with an alternative, it would offset CO2 production, of course, but it would also require higher levels of energy to create the aluminium in the first place, as the process can't harness the chemical energy which is stored within the carbon anodes. Furthermore, it's hugely important to remember that a a sufficiently inert material is yet to be discovered. So unless we can identify a a sufficient alternative alongside ensuring that the energy supply is derived from 100% renewable resources, and that's critical, the CO2 emissions will remain very, very similar. So in conclusion, inert anodes should definitely comprise part of a long-term decarbonisation solution for the industry. But in my opinion, and perhaps I would say this, our short term focus should be to continue on retaining the aluminium that we've got already within the hard working circular economy. Of course, aluminium can be, as we all know, endlessly reprocessed, reformed, um, and that process goes on and on. And obviously by increasing the amount of recycled aluminium that we're using, it allows us to offset the carbon that's used in in the primary production process. And thanks to increasing public awareness and ever improving collection systems the aluminium recycling rate has continued to increase year on year not just in the uk but around the world and that's happened over the the past decade so for me the short-term focus has to be to increase um, awareness and to continue to drive those recycling rates up and at Alupro here in the uk we have a very ambitious target but we believe it is uh, it is absolutely achievable we want to to actually achieve a close to 100 percent recycling rate for aluminium packaging and by doing so clearly the impact that we'll have there will save huge amounts of energy and will also reduce the amount of co2 that's needed for the primary production of aluminium so aluminium um, has this unique benefit it's infinitely recyclable and so we need to harness that and um, <clears throat> that has to be part of our sustainability solution and it will clearly move us away it, which is absolutely the case in many other materials, from a linear production model to a circular model, which is absolutely what aluminium is all about: circularity and um, keeping aluminium in that loop is absolutely something that's critical to us, right? For, for aluminium to have a sustainable future. So that's that's uh, that's sort of what I've discovered about the carbon anodes, uh, anodes, and I hope that that's useful and hopes it provides a good insight. But it, it, equally, it emphasises the importance. The, the importance of continuing to focus on recycling
0: oh definitely and yeah well done you, you did do very well with your with your research and I, research yeah. yeah and good to like you say to tie it back in because this is uh it brought back into recycling and to this idea of a circular economy because this is something that we've talked about a lot over these podcasts and it's obviously uh, trying to get a bit of a balance between how we work both within the primary industry to obviously uh, reduce the carbon emissions and, and the energy intensive nature that is you know producing primary aluminium um, but then yeah m- utilising the aluminium that's already available to us and that we have and, and we can recycle over and over again so um, yeah I think it's a really great, great point and kind of ties it all together as well that it just shows that it's across the value chain we need to be looking.
1: Well, I would absolutely agree but one of the things that always strikes me something that we we we're, we're as guilty as probably as anybody is that we don't talk enough about the important role that renewable energy uh, takes in the production of primary aluminium. And and obviously the, the amount of aluminium that's produced through renewable energy is continuing to increase. And it's something that we don't talk enough about and don't perhaps have enough data about because that that's equally a really important part of the story.
0: Yeah, and that is something you're right, and the aluminium industry is very passionate about. I know, obviously, mm. we use a lot of uh, hydroelectricity, and, mm. and we it's it's mentioned, but like you say, I don't think we we kind of shout about it enough, and it's it's something that we should be proud of, um, and it yeah yeah it leads us uh, to be more a much cleaner, greener industry.
1: I, interestingly, just this week, I was having a conversation with a major UK supermarket who's looking at aluminium as an alternative to plastic, and the person I was speaking to there really had no 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 awareness of the fact that a significant proportion of the aluminium that's used in europe is produced by renewable energy by hydropower so i thought gosh there's a massive knowledge gap there um and something that we need to really harness on so for a major supermarket not to be aware of that it's a bit worrying
0: yeah and this is something now that we're seeing a lot more of isn't it people want to find out where their their products where their packaging where everything has come from so they're really interested to find out i know even Nespresso, for example, and now their TV adverts say that it's made from recycled aluminium, and it's kind of seen as quite a cool thing to yeah. promote now, which is good, and and it's how it should be. Um, but yeah, it's how we kind of get that message across, and how everyone is aware. So um yeah, that's quite interesting to know that those kind of supermarkets and the big big consumers might not necessarily know the actual benefits and where this aluminium product has come from.
1: Absolutely. Those uh, Nespresso adverts for me are fantastic. And yeah. I think um, they go beyond anything that we as a sector could ever hope to achieve in terms of improving consumer awareness of the, the infinite recyclability of aluminium. For a brand like Nespresso to be talking so openly about that and, and, and basically putting that on national TV, not just in the UK, but around the world is, is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and hopefully, like we say, this is the way things will be going now. Um, yeah. And you mentioned a very interesting fact uh, a minute ago about how you're aiming towards 100% recycled aluminium packaging uh, as a target, which is really exciting. Um, so, just on that, then, how has the this pandemic and everything that's been going on recently how has that impacted actual aluminium packaging recycling rates?
1: It's been, it's actually been really interesting and it's something that we've obviously been keeping a very close eye on over the last three months or so while the UK has been in, in lockdown and clearly we've all been at home um, so um, and not able to go out um, and um, so on the sales side that's been really, really good news for us. So uh, people have been um, eating and drinking at home um, and so the sales of drinks cans have, have gone up quite significantly um, with people not being able to go to pubs and so drinking beer in cans at home etc etc quite what's going to happen over the coming months um, with the -the on-the-go consumption not entirely sure but the good news we heard today or likely to hear today is that the hospitality sector is going to open so that's got to be good news for cans uh, being consumed out and about so the sales side is pretty positive and and that would also be the same for for foil containers Um, but what's been really um, good to see is that Local authorities, by and large, have continued their curbside collection systems. So our fear at the beginning, back in in sort of late March, was that local authorities would roll back their recycling services, which would obviously starve our industry of a vital raw material, the secondary aluminium packaging or the recycled aluminium packaging. Um, The good news is that that really didn't happen. We saw a few local authorities step back from it, um, but very, very few. Um, and so what we've actually seen is that people's recycling behaviour at home has actually improved. Um, so the, the, the quality of the material that's been collected has improved, less contamination. Um, but what's even more gratifying is that last week we saw the uh, numbers, so the recycling tonnages up to the end of um, May. And they're actually 48% up for aluminium on the same period last year. So a massive increase in the amount of aluminium packaging that's being recycled. Um, so that that's on the collection side and then fortunately we've also seen that um, the recycling plants in the UK that handle packaging and indeed in Europe um, have by and large rem- re- managed to con- uh, continue to operate at similar levels as they have pre-COVID so yes they've had to cope with um, putting in social distancing measures etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and also um, staff being off um, in self-isolation etc but they have continued to operate, which has kept that valuable material, the curbside-collected material, in the supply chain to allow us to to continue to produce, use it to produce new packaging. So yes, we've seen a significant uplift in the volume of aluminium packaging collected for recycling, and now our hope is to is to is that 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 level will continue, and once households consumers start to get back to a new normal. Um, Let's hope that they continue with their, their positive recycling habits and so the recycling levels continue at the sort of level that we're seeing today.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a really good point. And I know um, just ourselves, while, like you say, we've been in lockdown, if we've been buying more more food or more packaging or more cans and things like that, I think we've been able to really see what goes into the collections and, and well, some, some of it you want to hide if, you've, <laughs> if, yeah. been, if our drinking has, has maybe gone up slightly in these. <laughs> in this time but just yeah you can see the amount that you can recycle and I know especially where people haven't been able to go over to visit landfill sites or dumps and and refuse sites like that hopefully there's been a lot more kind of of a drive to actually think right now we you know we can recycle that we don't just have to put all of that straight in the bin which um yeah hopefully that can only be a good thing
1: yeah, and, and, and just to support it, really, I saw some figures just this morning from one of the UK's major waste management companies, Suez, which showed that their, the, the volumes of recyclable materials, not just aluminium, but all materials that they, they collect from their, their customers, their local authority customers, is 54% up on the same period last year. So it's not just happening for aluminium, it's happening for everything. But of course, the aluminium bit is the, the bit that Suez really want because it's the valuable bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And 54% is a huge massive, difference. isn't it?
1: Yeah. Massive. They've been operating at beyond Christmas recycling levels for the last three months. And um, wow. yeah. And uh, I mean, tribute to the guys out on the, on the rounds that have continued to go out and, and collect this material. So um, yeah, yeah we're, we're very fortunate.
0: And so one of the other things I know that we've followed quite a lot and you've been working on has been this, um, talking of cans, talking of packaging, but is that every can counts. Uh, programme and this is obviously yes. a bit more of a, a consumer <laughs> engagement so how over this sort of time how has how has that been impacted and have you still been able to, to work towards certain goals within that?
1: Well it has been the of, of the programmes that we operate it's Every Can Council has been the one that's been affected the most and the reason for that is that it's clearly focused on out-of-home consumption and as we said already That's basically stopped, just not in the UK, but around Europe. And Every Can Counts operates in 17 markets now around Europe. So it's a significant behaviour change programme. But it is focused on, on, at this time of year, certainly on music festivals, sporting events and what have you. And what was really disappointing for us is that we actually had the biggest uh, event programme that we've um, implemented so far planned for this summer, including sort of major Festivals, um, we've been invited to the British Grand Prix for the first time, um, and um, it's obviously all gone by the by, all by the by the wayside. So we've had to adapt the program, um, and the focus has very been very much on social media uh, and digital. Well, we had a good following anyway, but we've taken the opportunity to build on that, um, and at the same time, the coordination of the program across Europe has also um, uh, uh, gone up a gear, and um, so we now have a centralized social media um, uh, agency, for example, that's developing um, uh, collateral for us to use on our social media channels. So that's really helped us to unify the message across Europe. So um, we've been running competitions uh, to engage people and and spread the recycling messages. and those have been really, really successful. Um, and, and we hear all the time about while well, people have been at home, they've been engaging more in social media and uh, using the platforms more. And that's absolutely the case. And so it's given us a new opportunity to engage with people and to, um, with the objective of, of getting them to recycle the, the cans that they are not just use when they're out and about, which is what we used to focus on with every counts, but when they're at home as well. Um, so it's been a th- yeah a time of reflection and and I think the other thing that we've been doing is building on um is sort of brainstorming new ideas but for, for when things do return uh, to normal and um we are actually have got some some plans that once um people are allowed to start going out and about a bit more, and clearly there won't be mass um music events and that type of thing but we, we can see that there will be a lot of people staying in the UK this summer on the UK beaches and what have you. So we're planning some, uh, uh, some programs on, on at beach locations where we uh, talk to people and encourage them to recycle the cans that they are consuming on the beaches. So yeah, a um, bit of adapting, a bit of change of focus, and, um, but we'll come back stronger and we will we, um, we'll have a massive event program next year. Um, to uh to capitalize on so yeah some change um but we've learned a lot and the program continues to thrive not just in the uk but around europe
0: that's really good to hear and and like you say it's just it's adapting and uh, i think if if there's locations around the uk that people are going to be using more like beaches i mean i always hate seeing the the photos of the aftermath when people have been on a beach especially the last few weeks when people were suddenly allowed out there's um unfortunately tons of rubbish and and things like that, so anything we can do to kind of encourage people <laughs> to to recycle if it's there and if you know if there's actually bins and recycling bins there available for them, then hopefully they'll uh, they'll use them but um but yeah it's like you say it's Absolutely. education as well
1: <laughs> yeah exactly, and it's all about um building this um so that it becomes um almost second nature to make sure you recycle your cans because you know they're valuable and I mean what what we do have which has worked really well we have we send teams of people out with uh, can shaped backpacks on um, to provide sort of a mobile recycling bin but also talk to people and um, the announcements that's likely to come today from the the government is that we're going to reduce the uh, two meter rule down to one meter that's really going to help with that so we'll be able to engage people more On beaches and what have you but of course whilst protecting and uh, protecting our staff and uh, making sure that we um, adhere to all the government guidelines but the program is is flexible uh, and it can can adapt and respond and so that's absolutely what we're doing so hopefully if you are on a UK beach sometime over the next uh, couple of months over the summer if the sun shines you will see the Abrican Counts team out at least doing their bit
0: great to hear i'll make sure to keep an eye out for that um and so if, if we're kind of putting covid aside now obviously because i know uh, it's it's been a, a huge topic but we are starting to look a bit more towards the future and, and coming out the other side so it, talking of the recycling targets that you've got is is the uk actually on track to kind of meet or exceed these targets for 2020 and how are we kind of com- performing really compared to last year or this time last year
1: well i think what we what we've seen in the uk is for the last um well over the last decade really for the last 10 years certainly um we've seen the recycling rates for both all aluminium packaging so that's everything so from from cans to foil trays to aerosols increase year on year and and back in 2010 we were recycling 38% um last year um that increased to 56% so consistent increases in um, in recycling performance and um well above the, the, the UK targets. Um, if you look specifically at drinks cans, which is clearly the largest fraction, uh, um, the, the larger proportion of, of aluminum packaging sold in the UK, and I think what's important to remember is that the UK is the largest aluminum drinks can market in Europe, so it's really, really important to our sector, to the industry. Um, t- 10 years ago, we were recycling just over half of the drinks cans that, that were sold in the UK, and at that time, um, probably only 60% of drinks cans were actually made out of aluminium. The remainder were, were, were tin plate. So in the last 10 years, we've seen the market shift towards aluminium. So it's now 100%. So all of the drinks cans manufactured and sold in the UK are made out of aluminium. And the good news is that last year we recycled 76% of them. So as a massive increase on, on the rates of 2010. And based on the numbers that I've just talked about in terms of um, the recycling performance this year, we anticipate that that number will we' we'll hopefully jump again this year, so um yes, the message is getting across, but, as I said right at the beginning, we're striving for one hundred percent recycling, so even at seventy six percent for cans, we've still got some way to go uh, and um yeah, so it's continue doing what we're doing, um but building on this level of consumer awareness and there's definitely i think the other th- positive thing about covid is that th- we keep talking about green recovery people are all more aware of their environment and the impact that they can have on it and what positive things they can do so hopefully that will also um help us to uh, continue to, to to move those rates forward year on year
0: certainly and, and yeah, we, we hope that's a bit more of a long-term view as well we hope we, you know don't come out the other side of this and things return so quickly to, to how they were before but you're right hopefully it's giving people a bit of a time to to just take in surroundings and and also i think silly things but just enjoying your your local area as well and not wanting to see rubbish or not wanting to see you know just cans kind of left around and and things like that so hopefully all those little things will add up
1: yeah absolutely fingers crossed but then as you you quite rightly said just a a minute or so ago we're seeing these pictures in the media of people going on the beach or, yeah. or going out for picnics and totally disregarding all of that and um so leaving their their rubbish behind so there's still a massive job to be done and um, yeah. that's why sort of programs like our African Counts program are vitally, import- vitally important to, to continue to drive that message home.
0: Yeah definitely well I hope it does continue and like I say it's, it everything it's only on the up so um yeah. what you're doing you're doing right and it's it's really good to see so hopefully it does continue. Um, there's one point I'm really interested to to kind of wrap up on and I want your thoughts on which is obviously t- t- well kind of talking about the recycling but more of a, a deposit return scheme and mm. uh, Scotland's recent approval of a, a fixed fee deposit return scheme so what are your thoughts on this and, and do you think England should follow soon?
1: Um, deposit return has been something that's been um, discussed in, in in the UK and in, in Scotland specifically for the last 10 years or so, Um, maybe not quite 10 years, but it's also something that's been discussed all over Europe in different countries around um, uh, is is a deposit return system needed to to hit high recycling rates and also to to reduce littering. Um, And I just talked about our recycling rates for cans being at 76% already so we're already doing a pretty good job. Um, uh, We also have um, sort of a, a really good curbside collection system in the UK which is delivering pretty well um uh, and we're just about to go through a change to or, um to our epr extended producer responsibility system so our view is that aluminium is, is in a good place already uh, and that the recycling rates will continue to increase without the need for a deposit return system now having said all of that politically deposit return system is absolutely something which is on the agenda uh, politicians clearly want it ngos are lobbying hard for it and there's a uh, and it's largely driven by the um, desire to um, improve our performance on the recycling of plastics. Um, but we are not naive. We recognise that they also that the legislators and those developing these schemes recognise that the value of aluminium is essential for making um, these systems work and making them economically viable. So we have to accept that aluminium is going to be included in 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 the schemes as as it has been as they have been in Scotland. Um, but if aluminium is in, we also believe that all competing packaging should be in as well. So it should be an all-in system, including plastic bottles, aluminium cans and glass bottles, so that the playing field is level. Uh, and then to also keep the playing field level and to make sure we can capitalise it from, on an, from an aluminium point of view, and aluminium being totally circular uh, and valuable is something clearly that w- um, the scheme would want to, to maximise recycling rates. So, we, our concern around the design of the system is that the UK market is very dependent on the sale of multi-pack cans. It's very different to any other market in Europe in that over 70% of all the drinks cans sold in the UK are sold in multi So that's a pack containing say for example 24 cans um, at a time um, and our concern with the proposals in Scotland and we lobbied hard, hard against um, the proposed what we call flat 20 pence deposit so that means that in every multi-pack of 24 cans you would pay a deposit of four pound 80 and you could then buy the same volume of of drink in four two-litre plastic bottles and only pay a deposit of 80 pence Um, so our concern is that when you're faced as a sort of a price savvy shopper you see on the shelf 24 cans in a multi-pack and four plastic bottles your psyche says, I don't want to pay an extra four pounds on top of um, uh, what I would pay for those plastic bottles. So I'll buy the plastic bottles. Yeah. So we, so we did some research, some consumer research. And surprise, surprise, two thirds of the people we spoke to said that they would switch from buying multi-pack cans to um, these plastic bottles. Uh, and so the way to address that is clearly to have a deposit was based on the volume of, of, the, of the container. Which is absolutely what happens in the majority of the Scandinavian deposit systems. Um, so, if you buy a smaller container, you pay a lower deposit. Um, and some recent research done by an NGO shows that the, the, the vast majority of, of sort of English consumers um, would understand why you would have a variable deposit. So, yes, we're really concerned about the 20 pence flat deposit in Scotland. Um, we argued against it, but for whatever reason, the Scottish government decided to go make a decision to go for it. We're heavily engaged with discussions with the English government and the Welsh government um, around the design of the scheme that will come in, in um, perhaps 2023, 2024. Uh, and we are trying to make it very clear that um, if they choose to go for a 20 pence deposit, they could well see a massive increase in the, in the sale of plastic bottles at the, at the expense of, of aluminium cans, clearly something that we don't wish to see. So yeah. no, we don't want the rest of the UK to follow the Scottish model. And we will continue to, to make the case that we should have a variable deposit based on, um, uh, on the size of the container if we want to avoid any economic or environmental unintended consequences.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I find it fascinating, really, because like you say, it, it, I, firstly, I find it so interesting how countries differ in, uh, in just the way we we purchase things, the way we obviously consume certain products as well. I, do, I find it really interesting. Um, and, and like you say, just trying to bring that consumer around to then looking at, I think we're trained as well. We're now almost trained to look for buy one, get one, freeze or to look for offers on a supermarket shelf or to avoid the end because you know you know the end aisle, they've put everything there for a pound, but actually you could buy it for 50p around the corner or something like that. Um, so yeah it's definitely something that I think people will be really interested to know how they can help and, and want to be involved but like you say it has to really work um, across the board
1: yeah absolutely uh, yeah and there was no doubt that no matter what people will tell you who they claim to be interested in the environment the number one decision they make a, uh, at a supermarket is based on price yeah yeah. Uh, and, yeah and whilst the deposit you get the money back you've got to outlay it's an outlay in the first place and so yeah we're really concerned about it and um yeah we're, we're obviously um we'll continue to talk about it yeah because it would be just it would be horrific if as a result of um new legislation designed to um potentially uh, improve the perception and improve systems for plastic that aluminium pays a price and um, yeah. Yeah. infinitely recyclable aluminium disappears and and although it's for very different reasons when the deposit return system came in in germany i think it was 2003 um, because of a badly designed system the the can disappeared off the supermarket shelves and so that's what we're absolutely committed to try and uh, try and ensure or doesn't happen in the uk it will be catastrophic um, for our industry
0: yeah no definitely and uh, it's something we don't want like you saying, well plastic to necessarily benefit from but you don't want aluminium to be seen as a a product that you know oh oh, I won't go near that because I can I can get a couple of bottles of you know plastic bottles for a lot cheaper and it's yeah you don't want it to have that image um either which if anything our image should be that you know it's it's such a good material it's 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 actually so much nicer to drink out of an aluminium can and yeah you know pour out of a plastic bottle and then yeah I think like you say it's just making sure that consumer attitude is is there too but I do think there's a lot more um interest in it now as well as we highlighted at the beginning but there's also a lot more of these um kind of refillable shops that are, are popping up everywhere we've got one down our local high street now where you can take your own containers and you can fill up your for cereal or flour or any any kind of goods like that so there's there's definitely changing attitudes which I hope yeah
1: and I think aluminium has got a place to play in that market. I mean, as aluminium, we talk a lot about recycling, um, but if you look at the waste hierarchy, reuse is is uh, becomes comes above recycling, so it's something that we should do. And we're increasingly seeing aluminium being used to produce containers that can be used for re- reuse as well. So, but the beauty there is that you can produce a, a reusable aluminium container for some some markets, and saw some new products this last week for the um, in the cosmetic industry. Uh, where you can take your aluminium bottle and get it refilled. But of course, then when it becomes to the end of its useful life there, you can recycle it. So it's a double double, double win, really. So I think there's going to be opportunities for aluminium there as well in that sector as it, as it develops. And I think what we have to remember and continue to talk about, certainly for the aluminium can, is that the aluminium can is the most recycled drinks package in the world. And it's not just happened throughout Lur- it's Come, It's happened because of industry investment and the very fact that recycled aluminium is valuable to our industry and we're desperate to get it back and I think that's where aluminium differs from plastic is because we as a sector have invested um, in the recycling plants it stacks up both from an economic and an environmental point of view and sadly you cannot say the same for plastic and so um, yes we will never criticise plastic but we're in a strong place because the economics really stack up for the recycling of aluminium and our industry is committed to getting it back.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think this is something I could talk about for <laughs> for hours because well, I'm, I'm very passionate about recycling anyway. But yeah. I'm also a champion for uh, for the can itself anyway. I'm always yeah. buying things in cans, but um, and also it means I know I I kind of limit myself to just one can of Diet Coke or something. You know, keep
1: exactly keep going portion
0: through it. control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been important during this time, definitely. Um, but no, thank you so much, Rick. It's been really interesting to hear everything that's been going on and and the plans for the future as well. Um, have you got is your question for the next guest is it related to recycling in any way or? yeah
1: absolutely and i think we're very aware that your your um your magazine and these podcasts are heard around the world um which is which is fantastic um and there are many different types of recycling systems around the world um for different uh, for aluminium and for other materials and um so i'd like to to um to ask your next, bet, next guest what do they think is the number one thing that could drive behavior change amongst consumers to increase the recycling of not just drinks cans but all aluminium packaging we, we focus a lot on drinks cans but we sell an awful lot of foil containers and aerosols and um, they are equally as recyclable and so I'd like to ask your, your next guest how do they really think that we can make a difference and um, really get more of this material back
0: excellent i think that's a very good question um and sometimes i know the next guest but i'll be honest i have no idea who it'll be <laughs> for, for next week so um so yeah we'll have to fire that one over at them and and see what see what comes but um yeah i think it's a really fantastic topic anyway we know that um, Alipro work really hard like you say worldwide and, uh, and I just find it fascinating how much is going on um, worldwide to, to bring back aluminium and, and there's still a lot we can do but it looks like we're really on the right path which is great.
1: Yeah and I, I think yes we're very active but we we couldn't do it without the support of our members who are, are the, the key aluminium producers so I have to give credit to them for continuing to support our activities not just in the UK but our sister organisations around Europe and around the world to to get this material back, so yeah, it's an opportunity to thank them.
0: Oh, great! Well, thank you as well, Rick, uh, for your time today. And um, I, we have actually just published a dedicated sustainability supplement for Aluminium International, which I believe has an Alupro article in there as well. Absolutely, as well. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> what I'll do is I'll make sure we promote that alongside this. I'll make sure the listeners can can view the link directly to the article as well, and um, and also to your website.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you. It's been great to talk to you, Nadine.
0: Thanks very much. Lovely to speak with you as well.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to this Aluminium On Air podcast. If you'd like to know any more about the work of Alupro or Aluminium Recycling mates and programmes across Europe, then please visit www.alupro.org.uk.